You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. We are today starting a new series called Life Together. We wanted to teach on a series that talks about what this church really values. What is Harborside Church all about? If you've been coming along to Harborside Church for a little, we're only a year old. And so what does it mean to be a regular member of Harborside Church? What does this church value? What do we want to spend time, money on? What do we want to give attention to? What does this church really care about? What's Harborside Church all about? What are our foundational principles and values? Good questions, aren't they? Maybe you've asked them. So today, we start a series of eight weeks diving into our most important things. Things like, why do we sing? We spend a chunk of our service singing. Why do we do that? We're going to be looking at that in future weeks. Who do we listen to as a church? We open up God's Word and it's read and people preach on that. And What does it mean to do that? We talk about serving a lot, but what does it really mean to serve, to join a team? Why do we talk about that? We talk about wanting to be a generous church, but why? What motivates us? What does it mean to be a generous church? And I'm really excited about this next thing. We're also going to be spending the next two weeks looking at what it means to be a generous church beyond ourselves. Check it over here. I had Pip surreptitiously put our mission up here before. Here it is. This is our mission. This is why we exist as a church, proclaiming the hope of Jesus to Mossman and beyond. The next two weeks, we're going to be looking at what beyond means. Next week, we've got a representative from Baptist World Aid coming to talk to us about an exciting partnership we want to develop between us and a community in Nepal, because they are the least of these. What does it mean to be generous beyond right here? The week after that, we've got a representative from Open Doors coming to talk to us about our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. These are Christians where it is incredibly difficult to be a Christian. How can we serve them? How can we love them? How can we help them to follow Jesus? How can we help the gospel to flourish there? So if you can take out that card just for a second, I want to introduce you to the Beyond Fund. You can see here we've got two pictures of the the organizations we want to be representing here at Harborside Church. Can I introduce you to the Beyond Fund? Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to be generous to people beyond this area. I'm really excited about it. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask you in a few weeks' time, we're going to give us collectively some time to think and hear from the representatives from the different organisations. We're going to ask you to give into a common pool, and then we're going to be giving 50% of what we raise to each organisation. 100% will be going to them. 50% 50% to Open Doors, 50% to Baptist World Aid. I've got a figure in my mind. It's a bold figure. It's a figure of faith. I'm kind of, should I say what it is? Should I not say what it is? I want to, we want to give these guys a chunk of change because they are doing awesome things. So I'll tell you, my faith-filled target is $30,000. I've been talking with these reps for a long time, 15,000 each would do incredible things 
Now, I don't want to spoil what's going to be amazing Sundays. They're going to come and talk about what it would mean for us to give that kind of money anyway. So there's my target. I said it. It's out of the bag now. Can we do that? So anyway, I want you to think about that. So you can pop that away, take it home, start praying. What does it mean to give? What does it mean to be a generous church? And we're going to talk about that more in future weeks. Okay. Life together. What does it mean to do life together? How often do we say, let's do life together? We're doing life together at this church. And we're going to start with our most foundational principle, our most foundational value, which is prayer. Every week at Harborside, we pray. Obviously, we didn't pray today. Kate allured to that. We didn't pray corporately today. That's all right. We'll get there, I promise. But we pray a lot. We talk about prayer a lot, don't we? Some of us gather together to pray before the service. We offer prayer ministry after the service. We usually have someone corporately lead us in prayer. We pray before, after the message. We pray during our worship, worship songs. We talk about prayer walking, prayer maps, prayer nights, prayer meetings, prayer merchandise. No, we don't have prayer merchandise, but why not? That'd be cool. What does it mean to have prayer as a foundational value as a church? Every church prays. What does it mean to have prayer as the heartbeat of our church? What does it mean to be a people of prayer? I reckon, feel free to come back a bit this, but I reckon churchgoer or not, most people pray. At some time in their life, most people will pray. I think it's a pretty natural human thing to do, a pretty natural thing as a human being to do, to reach beyond yourself, particularly in a time of need, to reach beyond yourself for hope, for meaning, for purpose, to something, someone greater than yourself. So, this morning, prayer. And you know what? If you're anything like me, you need to keep it simple because I'm a simple kind of guy. So we're going to keep it memorable. We're going to look at the who, the how, and the why of prayer, okay? We're going to look at the who, the how, and the why of prayer. We're going to start off with the who, and I don't mean that great British rock band. We're going to start... Okay, no laughs. Wow, that's tough. <laughs> You're all too young. All too la- I expected a laugh from Grant. Come on, no. All right, we're going to start off with the who. The who of prayer. Who we are praying to is the most essential element of prayer. The nature of our prayer life will hinge dramatically on this point. Who are you praying to? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about the person you are praying to? The great theologian of the 20th century, A.W. Tozer, said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That is certainly true when it comes to prayer. We get this wrong. We get a lot wrong. Some of you know I was into golf for a short period of time. I've said it before. From here, I was pretty terrible, but I wanted to get better, and I got lessons with a pro. And some of you guys are pretty decent golfers, so you know what I'm talking about here. I had lessons with a pro, and he said, your stance, the way you, and the way you hold the club, the way the club face hits the ball, that's everything. Get that wrong, get everything wrong. The way you line up to the ball, the way you line up your feet actually is the direction of where you want the ball to go. The way that you position your club face, you get it wrong a few centimetres, you can be many, many metres off when it comes to where the ball is landing. I should know, I was many, many metres off every time I hit the ball. You get it a little bit wrong here when you hit the ball, you get it a lot wrong where it lands. 
And it's the same when it comes to God. A slightly skewed version of who he is can greatly affect our Christian lives and indeed how we approach him in prayer. That's why when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he began with what? Our Father. This was a radical thought then. It's a radical thought now. Jesus mentions that, I don't know if you you realize in um, Adam's great reading we had there from Matthew 6, he says our Father four times. He makes it pretty clear who we are praying to. It is our Father. You see, if we believe that God is like a strict headmaster, I've been there, I've thought that in my youth, I thought God was like that. If we think he's a strict headmaster or like a courtroom judge waiting to pounce on us, then our life will look like sin management, won't it? And we'll never run to him. We might confess, but we'll never run with joy to him. As David says, I run in the paths of your command, for you have set my heart free. That won't be us. If we think of God as a distant father reading the paper, smoking the pipe, and uh, you come in from school as a kid, you oh, Dad, look at what I did. Yeah, yeah, show your mother. You know, If you think of God like that, as disinterested, you won't approach him. Why? Because you think he doesn't care. You think he's not listening. You think he's not interested in the intimate details of your life. Maybe if you think God is a bit like that crazy relative or crazy babysitter you had who was utterly permissive and let you do whatever you want. Can I have this? Yeah, sure. Can I have this? Yeah, sure. If you think God is like that, kind of like, like a mate just like you and will let you do whatever you want but has no authority to speak into your life, he is not greater than you, then that will affect your Christian life and that will drastically affect your prayer life. Let me ask you this. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? You know, for some of us, the concept of God as our Father might be hard to deal with. Particularly if your earthly father did a bad job in reflecting the good characteristics of our great God. It might be hard for you to come to terms with the idea of God being a loving and gracious father. That's my story. Even though I desperately longed for a father, my earthly father did a pretty terrible job reflecting the good characteristics of God. So it took me a while to understand who God truly was. Maybe for you, you've had a great father, a great example. It'll be easier for you to relate to God as your father. Let me ask you again, who is God to you? God is our Father, Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Our God is our Father, and he is full of compassion. You know that? I reckon there's just something beautiful in seeing, I bet you you'll see it after church today, a young child running in tears to their father. It's a beautiful thing. When the Father is full of compassion, to witness that, to see that, to see the Father come down to the level of the child, embrace that child, wipe the tear away, give them a cuddle and say, it's okay. It is equally as beautiful seeing a mother do that, no doubt about it, but there's something precious in seeing a father do that. That reflects the compassion of our great God. Proverbs 3, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Your father delights in you. Matthew 7. 
Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? (laughs) If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give, give good gifts to those who ask him? God is a compassionate Father who delights in his children and loves to give good gifts to us. And here's the just beautiful truth of the gospel. Because of the actions of Jesus Christ on the cross, we have access to him. We have access to our wonderful Heavenly Father. Because the truth is God is compassion. He delights in us. He's full of love, grace, and mercy. But God is also a holy and righteous or inspiring God. But we don't have to fear him. Oh, yes, we fear in the sense of we respect him, we honor him. We don't have to fear him, be afraid because of Jesus. I, uh, I love this photo. You might have seen it before. I've probably shown it before. That's how I love it so much. I've probably shown it in another sermon. There is a, a very famous photo of JFK, then the President of the United States of America. And there you see his young son playing at his feet while he's in the Oval Office. The most power, I think arguably, maybe unarguably, the most powerful man in the world at that time. Who can gain access to this man? Only a very select group of people through very high security measures and only for very short periods of time. Who can play at the feet of a president? Who can disturb him? In the Oval Office, his son. Who could wake the President of the United States in the middle of the night and ask him for a glass of water? Only his child. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. That happens all the time. We have that kind of access to God, our Father, because of Jesus. Okay, who do we pray to? We've started with the who. Our great loving Father in heaven. So much more to say on that, but we're going to keep moving. We've looked at the who. We're now going to look at the how. Looked at the who. Now we're going to look at the how. Again, we want to keep it memorable. If you've been coming to Alpha, this is going to sound very familiar to you, which is good. How do we pray? We keep it simple, keep it real, and we keep it up. How do we do it? We keep it simple, we keep it real, and we keep it up. Let's look at Keep it simple. In our passage for today, what's the problem? What's going on with the religious folks who Jesus is talking about? Don't be like them. Why? What's he, they're called the Pharisees, the religious folks today. He says, don't be like them in their prayer lives. Why? What's going on for them? Well, for them, it's a show. It's not about an inward truth. It's not about a vertical reality. It's about a horizontal reality. They're trying to impress people with their prayer lives using big words, lots of words. They're doing it on street corners, in in plain sight of everybody. They're trying to show off. Jesus says, don't be like them. Because they're trying to impress people. It's got nothing to do with God. And I want to say, I reckon we can do this a little bit when in church land, when it comes to prayer, a little bit. Often, I don't know if you've ever been asked to pray in a Christian setting. I've been asked to pray at a Bible college. There's some pressure for you. I just thought, okay, this prayer has to be super spiritual. I've got to quote Bible verses. I've got to try and uh, uh, 
bring some translation in from the original Hebrew and the Greek. And you know what? I found myself kind of praying, sounding like a 16th century English Puritan. Oh, Lordeth, my Godeth, I prayeth. I mean, how silly is that? We think we need to be super spiritual when it comes to prayer, when we, when we pray in front of each other. But we lose the point. We overcomplicate things. Keep it simple. Forget about others. Forget about what they might be doing in their prayer lives, in their super spiritual prayer lives. What did Jesus say? What does he say? Go away. Go to a secret place, to a place where you're on your own, and pray to your Father who is unseen. He will see you. It's not about others. It's about you and God. Now, Jesus makes it pretty clear in verse 7, doesn't he? And when you pray, do not keep on babbling, as in using many words, like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't babble on. Your, oh, thanks, Lord. Your many words don't impress God. You're not super spiritual if you use many words. Now, I wonder if this is a word for preachers as well. Don't use many words. Maybe. We'll see. I might heed that advice. But when we pray, let's use normal, regular language. No need to overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. Okay. Let's move on. Keep it simple. Keep it real. What do I mean by that? Keep it honest. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it honest. Check out the next verse, verse 8 of our passage. Do not be like them, that is the religious leaders, who overcomplicate things. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. What does he know? He knows what you need. What does God know? Everything. Our Father knows. There is no point faking it when it comes to prayer with our great God. Why? Because he knows. So let's let it all out. And start from where you are. You know, I'm all for sort of formal prayers. I think they can be very beautiful. But sometimes the problem with them is we can kind of just skip over the surface. And we don't get to the real heart issues in our lives. Be honest. If you're cranky, start there. Lord, I'm cranky. If you're tired, Start there. I reckon that probably starts a good many of our prayers before we go to bed. Lord, we're tired. We need you. Heavenly Father, we're tired. If you're tired, start there. If you're joyful, be joyful. If you're angry, start there. Be honest. Lord, I'm angry. Meet me in this place. You know, when I was sick a few weeks back, I was sick for a couple of weeks, and for an action-orientated person, resting is one of the hardest things to do. And I was in bed or on the couch And most of my prayers started with, Lord, I'm sick and I'm tired and I'm sick of being sick and tired. Be honest. You think God doesn't know? Take your heart to him. And don't look for the perfect opportunity to pray, the perfect place to pray, the perfect feeling to pray. Susanna Wesley is a hero of our faith She uh, was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who changed really the course of Christian history. She gave birth to 19 children. Nine of them died. Ten lived. So she was a mother of 10 children, including John and Charles Wesley. And she's a hero of our faith. 
She had a crazy life, you can imagine. Running a household, she was a minister's wife as well. Her, her life was not easy. She had many challenges, including taking care of a household and that many kids. Her life would have been crazy. If she had waited for the perfect time, the perfect mood to pray, she probably never would have prayed. And so famously, she used to do this thing. She used to sit in her kitchen, and when she wanted to commune with God, when she wanted to read his word and pray, she'd put a kitchen apron over her head and pray. And her kids knew, don't go near mum when she's got a kitchen apron over her head. That was her tent of meeting. She did it every day. That was her thing. Doesn't sound super spiritual, does it? Doesn't sound kind of very cool. Doesn't sound like the perfect setting. It's not very Instagram worthy. But guess what? God is not waiting for you to get super spiritual. He's waiting for you to start. God is not waiting for you to get super spiritual. He's waiting to talk to the child that he loves. Just start. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it honest. And keep it up. What do I mean by that? Keep it going. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray continually. Don't stop praying. Why? Because when we pray to our Father in heaven... We are cultivating a relationship with him. And you grow a relationship by sowing into it. Let me say that again. Why keep it going? Because when we pray, we are cultivating a relationship with the Heavenly Father. How do you cultivate a relationship? You sow into it. You invest in it. You give it time. You give it things. During the final year of our time over in the States, I used to travel a lot being in a band, and it was exciting. Pip came with me for the first three years, but we had our first child, and it's difficult to bring a little baby on the road, and so she stayed home for most of our last year in America, and it was tough. I was away a lot, and it was really hard, and we missed each other. Now, one of the ways to communicate, obviously, when you're away is talk on the phone, And I think I speak for most guys in the room and say, we're pretty terrible on the phone. And wives, I'm getting some nods. Guys are pretty terrible on the phone. It's hard to communicate on the phone. Guys are hard to communicate with face-to-face, right? It's even harder on the phone. She would call me and I'd be meeting interesting people. I'd be wanting to do other things. I like being in the moment, right, being present. So she would call and I would struggle to give her my undivided attention. Most often what would happen is she would call me after a show and I'd be sort of blowing off steam, hanging out with the boys, playing Xbox in the bus. The phone was here. Yeah, good. It was a good show. Yeah, how are you? Right? She could tell. All wives can tell. And she one time totally, absolutely justified. She said, Dave, you're not listening to me. And I wasn't. Rebuke landed. I had to wait, make it work. Why? Because I cared about our marriage. I cared about sowing into, investing, building into our marriage, even when I was away. So I had to give her time. I had to turn off that Xbox. I had to go to another room. I had to go to my bank and invest in time with my wife. What better thing to do? It takes effort to build a relationship. It's the same with our Heavenly Father. Keep it up. Keep it going. Prayer can be difficult sometimes. If you've been a Christian for longer than 20 minutes, you'll know that. Prayer can be difficult sometimes, so it's a good thing we have help. Romans 8.26 says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us 
through wordless groans. The Spirit helps us pray. You know, I've often talked to people about their prayer life, and I reckon the biggest thing that comes up is guilt. Oh, I wish I'd pray more. Yeah, I should pray more. I wish I could pray more. A lot of people think this, oh, and I've been there too. People say, I wish I was one of those prayer warriors, you know, that had the discipline like to get up at three in the morning and pray for three hours, get up at four and pray for four, you know, whatever it is. I wish I was one of those prayer warriors. But you know what happens? We have these idealistic notions and we don't even start. Can I just say, if that's you, if you're a prayer warrior that prays for those many hours, bless you, God bless you. But for many of us, it's not. So let me just say, that's a ridiculous benchmark, okay? That is not the benchmark of spirituality, okay? Give what you've got. Maybe that's a big take-home for today. Give what you've got. I do believe it is incredibly rich, enriching to spend a good amount of time sowing into your spiritual life, spending time with God, recharging in that way, filling up the tank in that way. But you know what? Give what you've got. You might think, I'm not, a very good, I'm not very good at sitting still. I can't sit still and pray for an hour. Then don't. Go for a walk and pray to your great God. He'll hear you. What I often do, I'll wear headphones and so it looks like I'm on the phone praying so I don't look like a completely insane person walking and talking out in the open. I'll wear the headphones. Do that. Whatever works for you. Just start. Give it what you've got and see where God takes it. Give it what you've got. Start there. Prayer is not the doorway into favor with God. It is a doorway into friendship with God. And there's a major difference. Okay. We've looked at the who. We've looked at the how. Now let's look at the why. It's our final point here. Let's spend just a little bit of time here. Then we're going to put some of this into action. Okay. We're all going to get involved. Why? Let's have a look at the why. Why pray? Well, we've touched on really a major point, particularly the fact that we are cultivating a relationship with our Father in heaven. Yep, we've talked about that. But let's ask, why should we pray as a church? Why should we pray as a church? Because regular, humble prayer keeps us from self-reliance, which turns into pride, which I think is the greatest barrier between God and his people. Let me say that again. Why should we pray as a church? Because it keeps us from self-reliance, thinking, yeah, we can do this. That leads into pride, which thinks we don't need God, which then I think is the greatest barrier between God and his people. What's the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Whose kingdom? his kingdom. Whose will? His will. You see, the Lord's prayer is not just a nice prayer. It is a beautiful prayer, and Jesus taught us to pray that. It's a prayer of allegiance. Who's in charge? Caesar or God? Who's in charge? Me or Christ? It's a bowing of the knee. And in an age that is just radically deifying the individualism of our culture. You know, I am the authority in all things. As believers, we say no. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, not mine. We crucify that thought every time we pray that in Jesus' name. Let me say, the worst thing, I think, the worst thing that can happen to us as a church is God gives us things and we think they're a result of our great skills. Ooh, that's dangerous. We've got to continue to be a church on our knees, dependent on our good God for his good gifts. We had on Monday night a, a, a leadership team meeting, which was really exciting. We got some of the greatest and godliest people in the room and we talked about what's the next season for our church? God's blessed us. We're a year old now, amazing. And we've launched this church, but what's next? And we started to dream and we prayed. And it was exciting and we whiteboarded and we, we didn't post it note this time. We usually do, but we whiteboarded and we had fun talking and dreaming. And you know what? The biggest thing to come out of, I asked the question, what do we really want to grow in? What do we really want to invest in? You know what it was? The biggest thing? Prayer. I didn't push that. People keep talking about, man, we want to be a, pe- a people of prayer. We want to be a church of prayer. So let's do this and this and this and this. How can we be a church of prayer more? We just kept getting excited. Because without it, there is no mission. There is no Seekers come into Alpha. There is no baptisms into the harbor. There is no mission without God. Prayer's got to be the engine room for this church. Without it, we're like a toy running on no batteries. It doesn't work. We got excited about our almost newly renovated prayer room, which is on my left, your right here. Of course, we can pray anywhere. We want to carve off a section of our property to be dedicated to prayer. Isn't that exciting? What great Prayers is God going to answer through the many prayers in that room. We started getting excited. We started talking about prayer walking our area again. You can see behind you there in the, the cafe, that excuse me, the coffee machine, there's a map of our area with the areas that have already been prayer walked. Check it out after the service. We want to work the spiritual soil of our area in prayer. I'm excited about that. Great things happen when God's people gather to pray. Can I just, we're going to finish in a moment. Can I just share something with you? I'm really excited about what God is doing here through this church. We've got so many guests coming to Alpha, exploring faith. If that doesn't excite you, I don't know what's going on. People and I just give thanks for it every single day. It's amazing. We're helping people on their journey of faith. It's the greatest thing you'd be involved in. We had a number of people make a first-time commitment to Jesus last Sunday. Praise God. God is doing something here. He's moving. You can tell because my voice has gone up a few registers. <laughs> I'm excited. Last uh, we, we, um, Our play group, we're in our third term. People are coming. We're making connections with people in the community we never thought would have been possible. Amazing. Two days ago, we had our first kids movie night in the back hall. We had about 25 kids there, many of them not from the church. Amazing. God is doing things here. He is moving. And the fuel that powers this, the mission of God, is prayer. Remember um, a few weeks before we started our Alpha course, we did the 21 Days of Prayer campaign. Do you remember that? See if anyone's phone goes off in seven minutes' time. We all set our alarms for 11.02. Why 11.02? Because Luke 11, verse 2, is your kingdom come, your will be done. And so we set reminders on our phones 
to pray for our nation, our city, this area, and for people we might invite to Alpha. Someone in our church did that like most of us did. It kept going off at work. 11 o'clock in the morning, that's kind of work time. And one of her uh, work colleagues asked her about it. Oh, what's, what's the alarm? What, now, what do you answer in that moment? That's, you know, what do you answer? Oh, it's just, it's just an alarm for me to do 10 sit-ups, you know, 10 push-ups. So do you, do you answer honestly? What's that alarm for? And she was honest. She said, oh, it's, it's, a, it's an alarm for me to pray for a course that we're putting on at our church. And I'm sure before she said that, she whispered a little prayer. Help me in this. You know what a friend said? That sounds cool. Can I come? And she came. God moves when we pray. I love that story. It's amazing. God is a good God. We cannot fulfill the mission of God without him. Let's never try. Let's soak this mission in prayer. Okay, we want to be a church that prays. We've talked about praying. It'd be pretty weird not to pray, wouldn't it? It'd be like going to a restaurant, looking at the awesome menu, and then going home and not ordering, right? We're going to pray. We are going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to do something a bit different. Uh Uh-oh. We are going to try something we've never really done before as a church. Why? Because we want to be a people of prayer, a people soaked in prayer. So this morning, we want everybody who would like it to be prayed for. Every single person in this room, we would love to offer to be prayed for down the front. Now, let me talk about what that could look like. We believe that God hears our prayers, okay? And he wants to answer his prayers for his children. We want to be a church that prays and prays for each other. And there could be so many things you could ask prayer for. Maybe last week you were one of the few people that put your hand up and made a first-time commitment to Jesus. Or maybe last week you were one of the many people that put their hands up saying, I'm a Christian, but I need help on this journey. You could ask for prayer for someone you know to become a Christian. You could ask for prayer for a health concern that's really worrying you. You could ask for prayer on behalf of someone else who's, they are really on your heart. You could ask for prayer for a number of things. My work, I really need prayer for my work, my marriage, one of my kids. There are so many things we want to pray for. And I I tell you what, if we take a moment to think about it, I'd be so surprised if there wasn't something that you didn't want to invite God into. We're going to give you a moment now to think, what could that be? I really hope, we prayed before the service, and I really said, I hope today is a bit of a watershed moment for Harborside Church. Our hope today is that it's a bit of a line in the sand and something changes. And what could that thing be? We want to break the assumption that the only people that need prayer are the ones who are really, really in trouble. Because that's crazy. We want everybody to receive prayer because let's face it, We're all broken. We're all in need. And can I beg you, can we please stop pretending that we're not? Because every single one of us has something that we want to bring to God and ask healing for. I guarantee it. So I ask you, what is that? Can I say, Jesus wants to take you somewhere in this Christian walk And usually, often that means getting out of our comfort zone. Can I challenge you in that?